Hi friends, I'm Elisa, the founder of Revelation Wellness. You are an answer to our prayers. And now I want to invite you into Body Freedom Reset, five days of healthy and whole living. This five-day reset is totally free. If you're exhausted by the roller coaster of moving between obsessing over your body and your health, or the other extreme of neglecting your body, mind, and soul, I want you to know there is more available to you than what the world offers. We've been there too. We are all subject to loud and frequent messages from the world about what our bodies should look like or be able to do. The dog days of diet culture are over. You don't have to conform to the standards of the world. God has a new message of freedom for you as it relates to your body, and I can't wait to share it with you for five days. Wherever you are on your body journey, this is the place to begin. Hey, Revelation Wellness friends, it's Aaron, and you just heard Elisa share our brand new five-day body freedom reset. If you're ready for a new way that isn't an endless cycle of dieting and shame, then we're your community. Just swipe up on the show notes and get started for free today. Now, this Revving the Word is a workout with one of our favorite friends and lead Revelation Wellness instructor, Kara Osborne. You can press play as you go for a walk, a run, or however you choose to move your body today. Please don't forget to rate and review us in all the places. And you know what? We'd love for you to leave us a voice message. Just swipe up and tap the link in the show notes to do so. Are you ready? Let's dive in. All right. Getting the playlist going in three, two, one, play. Hey, hey. Welcome, friends. Hey, thanks for pushing play. If you came here and you're like, where is Elisa's voice? <laughs> Surprise, you have a new friend along for the journey with you today. You can go ahead and begin moving your feet in whatever way you're choosing to move today. Maybe you're not even moving your feet. Maybe you're on an arm bike today. I'm not sure. So however you're moving, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome, welcome. My name is Kara Osborne. I'm recording this for you from North Carolina. We've never met before. I just love to encourage people. I love to cheer you on. So I'm so glad you're here. I am a Revelation Wellness instructor way back Platoon 10, back in 2014. Totally life-changing for me and for my family. I've been around since then. I love Revelation Wellness because Revelation Wellness follows and listens to the Lord. Their ministry that stands on the Word of God, and that matters. So we're so glad you're here. Welcome to another episode of Revving the Word. I want you to just begin warming up a little bit. So if you're thinking about scale of 1 to 10, let's be like a 2 or a 3. Just real gentle with yourself today. You don't have to punish yourself with movement today. Movement's a gift. So let's enter into that together. Before we get started, let's just think through some cues here. So we're gonna be breathing deep. We're gonna think about posture and alignment as we're moving. So we're not just moving, but we're thinking about moving well. Could you engage your core as you're walking or running or on the elliptical or wherever you are? 
And then I want you to think about the posture and alignment of your heart. I'm recording this for you today, I'm feeling a little bit heavy hearted. Maybe you are too. Maybe you are too. Here's what I know about the Lord. Anytime I show up and I move my body and I listen to truth from his word, he shifts things in my heart. And so I'm praying that for you today. Let me pray for us right now. Lord, for every person who pushed play today, I'm asking that you would teach us, you would train us, you would equip us, you would sanctify us, you would mold us, teach us more about who you are. If we came in here heavy hearted, Lord, could you lift, lift them today? If we came in here feeling like we can't hold everything, it's true, we can't, but you can. So we take it, we surrender it at your feet, we lay it down, we invite you here, and we say, come meet us, God. We want to know you, we want to see you, we want to hear from you, we want to follow you. So teach us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you can go ahead and pick up your pace a little bit. Now, if you've listened to some of my earlier episodes, I typically do an interval with you or some type of sprints today's endurance what that means is i'm going to teach you and you're just going to pick a pace and go for it so i'm not going to cue you through higher um, exertion and lower you're just going to pick what feels good to you today as an invitation i have two different messages i thought about sharing with you today two different things i could teach you and at the last minute i switched and decided that i wanted to talk to you about something you've maybe heard before today when you hear it, I don't want you to tune me out. I want to teach you something new um, today about salt, about salt. So we know, we've been told in scripture, Matthew 5.13 says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? We've told, we know, like we've been told we're salt and light. And I think light's easier for us to understand. We're like light. Okay, I get that. I understand that. But salt, like why did Jesus choose to use the word salt here? So today I'm going to teach you that. And then I'm going to teach you about why it matters. So as you're moving your feet, open your heart. And let's learn a little bit together. I love this song. It says, Lord, would you move? Would you move? We're asking you to move today, God. But it might look like a walk, it might look like a run, it might look like a bike uh, session, it might look like anything, but really it's worship. Really it's worship, so we invite you here. All right, salt, salt. What's that even mean? Why did he choose to use salt? And why is Jesus talking to his disciples and he's calling them salt? Now, just a little bit of context. He says this to them during the Sermon on the Mount, right after he'd called the disciples. So this is kind of like their first official lesson. So he's talking to them, first official training session, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. I think part of the reason that's confusing to us is because salt had a very different meaning back then than it does now. So I decided to study salt. I decided to learn what I could about why the Lord chose to use that when he was describing us. So you know salt probably uh, from the definition that we all typically would know from Webster. It's a white crystalline substance which gives seawater its characteristic taste and is used for seasoning or preserving food. In scientific or chemistry terms, salt is sodium chloride. Y'all probably know that. 
If salt is used as an adjective, it means to impregnate with or to treat with. And you've probably heard it in phrases like, rub salt into the wounds, salt of the earth, or saying, hey, someone's worth, worth someone's salt, or take it with a grain of salt, right? Like we know those expressions, we've heard them. I actually learned that there's over 14,000 uses for salt. That's crazy, right? I also learned that it has an essential role in the making of thousands of items we use every single day, including computers, the shoes on your feet, and the clothes you're wearing. That's crazy. So salt today isn't like salt back then. Our salt today is a stable compound, sodium chloride. It can't really lose its saltiness like we might think about. So how do we learn from what he's saying here? How do we take that example and how do we apply it? Let's check in for just a second. How's your breathing? How's your heart? How's your movement? It's an invitation. It's an invitation. If you're viewing this as anything similar to punishment, pull back a little bit. Pull back a little bit. It's a gift. Reframe for a second. So back when Jesus was giving this uh, message to the disciples, salt was really coarse and it could be full of impurities. And they would go out and they'd gather it from sea deposits and it could actually deteriorate. So when that happened, what they were left with were these crystals that looked like salt, but it was just residue that was good for nothing. It was good for nothing. It was thrown out into the streets or added to the dirt that made up the roofs on their homes. So it had no, no benefit. When they would actually go out and remove what was, was truly salt from that mixture, the stuff that was left behind looked like salt, but it didn't function as salt. So when Jesus is talking to the disciples, they knew salt. They knew salt. They knew it in different ways than we do. So let's talk about it here, what it actually was, why it matters. First thing, salt was a symbol of covenant. Now, before you tune me out, because I said a word like covenant, stick with me here. This is really important. Salt was a symbol of covenant. There were multiple times in the Old Testament, covenants were called covenants of salt. So that should make you stop and consider why. So Leviticus 2.13, Numbers 18.19, Second Chronicles 13.5. Got a lot of verses I could give you here. Let me just read one of them. Second Chronicles 13.5. Don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt. So salt was the symbol of everlasting covenant. Also, this is neat, all offerings were to have salt added to them. So if you look in Ezekiel 43:24 or Exodus 30:35, salt was added to every sacrifice, whether it was a burnt sacrifice or whether it was incense. Salt was there for every offering. And here's Jesus saying to the disciples, you are salt. So the covenant of salt was this everlasting covenant. And what I learned was that back in biblical times, men would carry around a pouch of salt on their belt. So what they would do is when two men decided to make a promise or a covenant of loyalty, each would take some salt from his pouch and sprinkle it into the other man's pouch. Then they would state the terms of their agreement and then they would shake their salt pouches to mingle the grains of salt. 
So why did they do that? Because it was no longer possible to go into the other man's pouch and get their salt grains back. The covenant was therefore a permanent contract that could not be broken. How cool is that? Keep moving your feet here. Keep breathing deep. So it was used for covenant. Salt was used on the altar of God. You know, yeast and leaven and other fermentives were forbidden, but salt's pure and undefiled. Salt's a symbol of permanence. I also learned that ancient Hebrews would rub their newborns down with salt to signify they were children of the covenant and to prevent diseases. Shoo! Think about that for a second. And so what we're seeing here is Jesus is with the disciples. They've been literally reborn into the covenant with God. And Jesus is saying to them, you are the salt. I'm not just going to coach you with it like we would a newborn baby, a newborn baby. You've literally become it. We become the salt and the covenant becomes with us. Now, here's the beautiful part of that, friends. That covenant that we've ventured into, it's everlasting. So we got to exchange our unrighteousness for Christ's righteousness, and it cannot be canceled. Oh, it's good news. That's good news. My sins may grieve the heart of God, but they do not change his mind about me or change the covenant he has made. The covenant of salt should remind you that we are the people of God. A chosen people, say it with me if you know it, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We have an everlasting covenant with him and we are to be holy as he is holy. We are to be his ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5.20. 2 Chronicles, again, 13.5, it says, Then we will reign with him forever like David and his descendants by this covenant of salt. Jude, verse 24, it says, He who is able to keep us from stumbling will present us as blameless and holy, an offering before the Lord. I love that. The covenant stands even when we do not, friends. And salt was a symbol of covenant. New perspective, right? Here's the second thing I want you to know about salt. Salt was necessary for life. It's integral. Every single warm-blooded animal must have some level of it. We crave it and we need it even if we don't know we need it. Too little sodium, too little salt can lead to all sorts of things. Hyponatremia, dizziness, confusion, muscle twitches, and seizures. It's necessary for life. Here's the third thing. Salt at that time, scarce and precious. Back then, salt was used to even pay part of the wages for Caesar's soldiers. They called it a salarium, which led to the word salary. Salt was valuable. And so Jesus is telling the disciples, you're precious. You're necessary. The work the Lord has done in you is going to go out and bless people. It's necessary that you show up. Fourth point, salt was their primary preservative. They use salt to slow down the process of decay. Shoo. So Jesus is telling the disciples, you are the thing, actually it's the power of the Lord in them, but you're the thing that's going to slow down the depravity around you. 
He's saying, my transforming work in you is literally going to change the situations you're a part of. And hear me, friends, right now, hear me, believer. You do this same thing today. You do the same thing. Your voice in your workplace, your friendships, committee meetings, your school, your small groups at Walmart. You are bringing the peace of Christ, the sustaining power of his spirit. Mm. Does that make you want to say out loud, yes? Fifth point about salt. Salt was the primary seasoning of their time. Have you ever tasted something without salt? Job 6.6, this is the first ever written record of salt. It says, can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? See, here's the deal about salt. It makes things taste better. So Jesus is saying, hey, you are salt and you make things better. You bring flavor. You bring goodness to those around you because of the goodness of God in you. It's not because of you and your worth. It's because of what God's done in you and through you. Psalm 34, 8 tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the job of salt, to be an appetizer, to make people want to know more about him. All right, let's look at it a different way. Let's look at it different way. If you eat salt on a food, you never stop and say, man, that was some really good salt. No, you would say, Man, those tortilla chips were so good. Or I loved those french fries. See, here's the thing. The job of salt is to enhance flavor. The purpose is to make you say how great the thing is with which it is involved. It's not about the salt. Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Can others look at your life to taste the flavor that you bring And could they say he is good? The purpose of salt is to be salty. The way we speak, the way we live, are you doing it in such a way that others want to know more about him? Keep moving. Keep moving. Colossians 4, 6 says our conversations are to be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Grace being to our speech, like salt is to our food. See, salt was the way they seasoned their food. And right here, Jesus is telling us to be the same to the environments we are a part of. Sixth thing, salt was unimpressive in appearance. Unimpressive in appearance. To look at salt, you wouldn't be amazed by its beauty. It's small, it's grainy, it's colorless. At first glance, it might even seem worthless, but just a tiny bit of it added to something totally changes everything. Listen to me. Where you sit today, you might look or feel ordinary. But Jesus was saying this to a group of normal, average, ordinary, everyday men. He was talking to tax collectors and fishermen, and he said, you, you're salt. You might appear average or ordinary or nothing special if people don't know the power within you. But whatever you step into will be altered forever because appearance doesn't dictate effectiveness. Somebody needs to grab hold of that today. 
Seventh point about salt. Salt creates thirst. Salt creates thirst. Have you ever eaten a meal that's really high in salt and you'll immediately notice that your desire for water increases? Salt creates thirst. I love this. Think about the connection here. If we're created and called salt, if we are living as salt, the result is that people will want more living water. Come on. So salt today is really stable, sodium chloride. It doesn't really lose its saltiness like you might think. But I did do some research to find out, can our salt today lose its saltiness? And the only way that we could do that today outside of an electrical encounter is dilution, dilution. So if we go back to Matthew 5, he says, you're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, if we're being real honest, I don't want to help you just feel better. I want to help you get better. I would ask you and say, have you lost some of your saltiness, friends? Are you allowing your identity to be diluted by the circumstances you're finding yourself in? Now, what's that look like? How could I be diluting my identity, drowning out my design, not being in the word, compromising what I've been called to, allowing unbelief or doubt to rule in my heart, shrinking back, over-reliance on self. You could insert your own reasons right there. Are you diluted? See, when that happens, it becomes ineffective. It becomes commonplace. It's not useful in the kingdom. But here's the really cool thing I learned. Salt that's been diluted by water can be repurposed and used again. Now, sometimes that's evaporation, sometimes it's distillation. But once the water is removed, salt retains its flavor and can be used again. Here's the cool part. Chemically, its nature is unchanged. What? Its nature is unchanged. See, saltiness is not a quality bestowed upon itself. It's not summoned up. It's not made by us. It's put there by its creator. Hey, friend, you've been saved. You've been redeemed. You've been made salt. You are part of the covenant that cannot be changed. It cannot be canceled. It cannot be disqualified. And you may feel ordinary. You may believe the lie that your presence isn't mattering much. But he is using you right now, sprinkling you out to be used for his glory. Right now, he's using you to impact lives. He's inviting you to point others to see his goodness. He's giving you an opportunity to declare by your influence that others can taste and see that he is good. He's good. You get to change things because of who he's made you to be. It's who you are. It's who he is in you. It's your identity. You can't lose it. You can't lose it. Permanent covenant. All right. So let's apply it here. How can we continue to do this? How can we preserve, season, 
and create thirst for his holy living water, for his presence. How do we do that? Couple things here. First, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's from Colossians 4, 6. Let me read it again. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. There's the, there's the answer, grace. Grace. My grace is so overused. Sometimes it feels like it begins to lose its impact. Let's look at it in a new way. Beth Moore has a quote and it says this, at its purest form, grace never says sin is okay. Grace says, yes, there is sin, but there is a remedy. There's a remedy named Jesus and I can point you to him. Grace. Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. First thing is grace. Second thing, y'all, this is about the last three minutes of your push, okay? So in three minutes, we're going to start our cool down. So if you have anything left, you need to pick it up a little bit. You're invited. Second thing, give thanks. Live Thanksgiving. The first one is we rely on grace. The second one, we give thanks. We live Thanksgiving. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 126.3, and it says, He has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice, sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But do not forget to do good and to share for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. Shoo! Continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. Matthew 21, 6, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Huh. Right where you are right there today, what would praise look like? Yep, I'm, I'm challenging you. What would it look like? Give thanks. Live Thanksgiving. Third point, last point. Third point, last point. Walk in your freedom identity. Walk in your freedom identity. You want to be salt? You remember that the work has already been done. The covenant is fully completed. That's good news today, friends. The covenant is fully completed. Walk in your freedom identity. I'm gonna read to you from Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. 
He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our simple nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Here comes verse four, it's my favorite part. But God, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised us from the dead. All right, I want y'all to go ahead and begin pulling back a little bit here. Can slow your pace. Verse six, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So good. Verse four says, but God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive says by grace you have been saved by grace remember grace says there's a remedy and that remedy is jesus we've been given the gift our inheritance is secure so what do we do what do we do with all that first thing let's pray and ask the lord to show us But then it says, by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. We're told that we've been brought from dead to alive because of his grace. He gives us the gift of faith, and everything changes. So here's what I'm asking you to do today, friend. Let him love you. Let him love you. And then once you do that from that place, go love somebody else. You lived as a loved child that makes everyone around you want to know more about him. You're salty. You create thirst everywhere you go that someone can see that there is something better. You're valuable, you're precious. It's an everlasting covenant, but it's what he's done in you and what he's going to do through you if you'll just allow him. You don't have to strive. You don't have to hustle for your worth. You don't have to follow a set of rules to earn your righteousness. You don't have to impress anybody else. You just live loved. You're salt, you're salt. And through him and his power, you're gonna bring good things to the places you've been planted. You prevent decay. His power in you prevents decay. You change the atmospheres you're a part of because of his power in you. Let's live like it. Let's live like it. I'm gonna be quiet. I want you to ask the Lord. What's your takeaway? What does he have for you today? What invitation is he giving you? I'm praying you say yes. Well done.